Welcome to Corporate Cornucopia, the podcast that's overflowing with business insights, entrepreneurial tips, and stories from the front lines of today's economic landscape. From the studios of the Kyrville Chamber of Commerce, I'm Mark Heiberger, your host. And I'm Noel Fenderson, your co-host. Chief Dale Lane has over 34 years of public safety experience, 18 of those in senior leadership and command positions in law enforcement, emergency management, and transportation. Chief Lane began his career in 1987 as a patrol officer with the Millington Police Department. He is a member of the International Association of Chief of Police, the Memphis Metropolitan Association of Chiefs of Police, and the FBI National Academy Associates. Chief Lane holds a Master of Science in Operations Management from the University of Arkansas, Bachelor of Science in Organizational Management from Crichton College, and an Associate of Applied Science and Criminal Justice from Southwest Tennessee Community College. Chief Lane is a graduate of the FBI National Academy, Session 226 in Quantico, Virginia. He has also completed the Secret Service National Threat Assessment and Dignitary Protection Schools in Washington, D.C. He became Chief of Police of the Carville Police Department in 2020. Chief Lane, thank you so much for being here. And I just wanted to personally uh, really thank you just serving underneath you and your leadership as a reserve. So it's really special to interview you today. Well, thanks uh, for the opportunity to be here. And uh, I appreciate your service, I promise. I think we're the only only team in the country that uh, probably has a reserve officer uh, on SWAT, but uh, you are uh, definitely one of the most qualified members of SWAT, not not because of a reserve status, but just from your previous experience. And so we're glad you're part of our team. I'm grateful. I'll yeah. you. Yeah. And um, I wanted to thank you uh, for uh, your, your leadership with the police department. And uh, but I, I also wanted to thank you for being uh, just so uh, supportive and involved uh, with us here at the chamber. I know you you come to the things we do whenever you can, and anytime we call on you, I know you would be there to to help us if we needed something. And I'm, I don't just mean a, a police call, but I mean just any way you y'all could support us. I know you'd do that, but I I just wanted to say thanks for for just being such a really good partner to us. Well, the, the feeling's mutual, I promise. And uh, I, the <clears throat> chamber, as we talked about earlier, has opened many doors for me to get to know the leadership in the town. And um, with me being relatively new, this is my third year, believe it or not, but uh, it has been, uh, it's been an amazing community to serve. I mean, it's really, it's really an honor to be here. Um, you know, you were telling me earlier as we were kind of coming in and getting set up for this that you got to start your day off giving out I, I may not use the title right. I know you can correct me if I'm wrong, but two life-saving awards or two we life did. service awards. Yes. Tell us a little about that. Um, bittersweet. I mean, I think most of uh, your listeners probably know about uh, our officer that was injured. He was run over by a car. Very violent situation. Um, today, uh, we were able to, to give uh, life-saving awards to uh, Richard Gallo and Sherry Ware, uh, for their 
actions that night. They're the emergency first aid that they took absolutely saved his life. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the, one of the bright spots about it is he was able to be there with us today. Mm-hmm. And so that was really good. Wow. So he uh, still has a long, long road to recover, but uh, it was great to be able to, uh, to honor them and uh, just reinforce family. And that's really what it was about. Yeah. Well, tell us about family. Tell us about where it all began for you and, and how you ended up as the chief of police. Tell us about that journey. Well, I spent most of my career at the Shelby County Sheriff's Office. Um, I started there in January of 89. I had spent a couple of years previous to that with the Melanton Police Department. and uh, But I grew up professionally in the Sheriff's Office. And so, um, you know, sp- was blessed to get a lot of opportunity when uh, I was at the sheriff's office. I was able to go to the FBI Academy while I was there. And that's huge. Um, it was, uh, it, you know, it, I got a lot of specialized training opportunity, great, great leaders to work for and to work with. And, and, um, one of those was, uh, Sheriff Luttrell who became mayor Luttrell. And then, so, uh, mayor Luttrell left to be mayor, uh, left the sheriff's office, uh, let's see, when would that have been? 2018, I think. No, it would have been 2000. I don't know. I'm getting all my days. It's somewhere like 12, 2010. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, and that when he was the sheriff, I was his Homeland Security commander. I had SWAT and bomb and, and those kinds of uh, units. And he, um, his second term, he called me after he won the election and said, I'm getting ready to make a change. And would you want to be my Homeland Security commander? And with that comes being the emergency management director for the county. So the last four years at the county, I spent in the Homeland Security office under him and then uh, went, did some consulting for MATA after I retired from the county and became their chief of safety and security. Did that for about a year and then got the opportunity to come here in 20, which was just a a dream come true for me. That's what I had prepared for my whole career is – the day that I retire and was able to be a chief of police somewhere. And what a, just an amazing community to be able to come in and uh, come into awesome police department. I have a great team to work with. And so it was just a, a, it was a blessing. No, no question about it. Did you know from a young age you wanted to be in law enforcement? Uh, Probably as a, as a teenager, my my father, uh, most of his friends growing up were police officers. And these were just, I mean, they were heroes to me. I mean, listen to their stories. They were all about service. And um, it it was, that definitely shaped uh, my future and wanting to be a police officer. But I have, uh, you know, I, I tell policemen that come in today when they sit down with me and I ask them, you know, what do you, what, what do you want this to look like down the road? What does it look like for you in five years? And, you know, when they're, when they're brand new, everybody wants to come in and save the world. I mean, we want to make a difference, right? And then over time, if you allow it, some people become bitter and they, and I told them, you know, if you want to love your job after 35 years, every day, make it about the person that God puts in your path. Don't make it about you. If you make it about you, um, this job is not going to satisfy you. But if you're if you're making it about somebody else, where you're making a difference every day, you can lay your head down at night and sleep well because you got purpose. And so for me, that's I've tried to do that, you know, in, in my career. And I have I haven't loved every day. There's days that I have not loved, but I love my career and I'm thankful for the opportunity. Got an amazing family too. That's something that I shouldn't leave out. 
My wife's been with me for 35 years, and uh, and she's my best friend in the world. Has been through. Uh, I thought it was a good idea a couple of times to run for sheriff, and that didn't. <laughs> and she was right there with me. That didn't. That didn't pan out as far as winning the election, but it worked out great for me to be here. So, anyway, great family, and uh, she's the greatest. My greatest blessing outside my salvation. So, hmm. well, it's. Um, <clears throat> I know it's 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 just so comforting to to hear as as a people who live in this community and people who have businesses in this community, it's so comforting and uplifting to hear you speak as the leader of the police department from such a uh, balanced, wholesome perspective. I know that people feel that their safety and that the leadership of the police department is in great hands. When people hear you talk and make presentations, I've heard I mean, you've spoken at our events before, and people always walk away from this, those things, going, "Wow, he, we've got a great police chief." So that's kind. I tell you, I'm. It's one of the things that I'm not real confident in. There's some things that you know you get confident, you build skills, but um, it's. I had somebody tell me one time, if you speak from the heart, you touch hearts, and so. You know, I, I just—that's what I want people to hear, and not not a canned speech. They hopefully they they know I believe what I'm saying, and so that's what we you know that's what I try to do, and and hopefully when I'm doing that, I'm I'm talking about the good things of this police department, and you know we can, you know our job as we said at the uh, Back the Blue event is, is much greater than telling people crime's down, which crime is down. I'm very proud of our team. They've done a good job. But it's it's much more than just keeping crime numbers down. It's it's the bigger picture is reducing fear mm-hmm. and the fear of crime. And if we if we tell you all day long crime is down and you're still living in fear, then your quality of life is down. And so, you know, for us, it's and, and the way we counter that is through building relationships. And, you know, every level of the every level of the police department, whether you're civilian or sworn, they have two objectives, and that's to be a problem solver and a partnership builder. And so if we if we solve problems, whether they're, you know, they're whether they're really in our responsibility or not, and uh, we build partnerships, we're building relationships and trust and then reducing that fear. And uh, this police department has done for years, has done a, a great job of that. Um, I, I came in on a, on a great foundation to build on because I'm a firm believer in community policing when it's done with problem solving and partnership building. So I appreciate the kind words on that. Um, it's just an amazing community to serve because they love the police. Um, can you expand a little bit on the community policing thing? Because I think I, I think I heard you say maybe it was at that back the blue event it was somewhere recently where you you know every just about every police chief or person that's in a command position at a police department around the country will use the term community policing and it can mean different things right. in different communities i am am i quoting no, you sort absolutely. of is that did you say that and that's true but your your take on it is very specific absolutely I mean, you, so you tell us cuz that can just be a a really pie in the sky, apple pie sounding term, you know, and that's where and majority of the good. time it is. That's yeah. the way it's used. But I heard you say that yours has some meat to it. So, well, um, community policing um, is is a, is a national buzzword, if you will. And and like I said in that meeting, 
Um, everybody's going to say they do it, but when you know they, when you look, when you narrow it down, um, and even here locally, the way it's been implemented over the years, um, it's usually done by a specialized group. You have a crime prevention unit, or you have a you can in some places even call it community policing. So you'll have ten or twenty guys in the larger departments who are community police officers, meaning they're working in an office somewhere in a at-risk neighborhood or one that's having a lot of problems. Um, community policing was not designed that way. It was designed to be a culture. Um, you shouldn't have community policing units. You should have community policing officers. That should be a way of life. That should be who we are at our foundation. Um, I reference so every officer is community. every there officer, you. every clerk. Um, the phrase "It's not my job" should never come out of someone's mouth. It should be "I'm I'm here to help solve your problem." And if I can't do it, I'm going to find somebody that can. Uh, and again, it goes back to building trust. And so, um, community policing has to be the culture to be effective. That means every officer knows when they when they walk out that door at night. Um, yeah, catching bad guys is fun. I mean, that's that's what we signed up to do. But at the end of the day, it's just as important to help a person that's broke down on the side of the road. Um, I gave the reference of uh, Carville police officers pushing cars out of the roadway that's run out of gas or changing tires for people. They don't teach you that in the police academy. And that's something that you either have character or you don't. And uh, when you want to make a difference for somebody, you'll change a tire if you can help them. So that's what we, and we, we put a lot of emphasis on that. I mean, we did life-saving awards today, but if I get a, um, we do observe behavior reports for positive things. And if I get one on a car, I'm going to make just as much of an effort to highlight that, acknowledge it, and commend the officer for doing those type of things as I do the, you know, the ones where they're life-saving. Yeah. And just personally having experienced it, uh, the transition of leadership and, you know, to speak to that, just the, the morale shift that has occurred, the, uh, you mentioned purpose, that you have you you brought a sense of purpose to the department to the officers, uh, and just just watching that happen has been truly just a blessing to see uh, from the inside. So, uh, what it, when you think about that, right? You're running a business, a multi-million dollar business that is one of the safest uh, communities in Tennessee. What's that like uh, as as chief and doing that? Well, when I came in the door, um, I met with every officer, and and I met with you. Um, and I told them, you know, I, I listened, okay, tell me what some of the issues are. And and there was, you know, there was a, across the board, um, there were, uh, you know, you were here different things, but there was some consistent patterns, lack of opportunity. Um, what I have to do is create in the department this vision that, one, we want to be the best, um, and that we are the best. Now, it doesn't mean we step on number two or, you know, we're going to cut somebody to be number one, but I want them to have organizational pride. And I told them, uh, I met with a SWAT team right off the bat. That's kind of my, my background. And I told them, I said, look, I want you to be the best. My job is to make sure that you have the best training and the best equipment, but I can't give you heart. You've got to have the heart and the desire to do it. And um, so I, that's kind of how, I, in a in a nutshell, that's how I view my role is to make sure that our team has the best training, the best equipment. They have an advocate that's going to market and sell and their successes. And then also on the other side is that that 
hold the people that aren't meeting our standard accountable. Um, nothing kills morale more than, you know, for good cops to have a bad one being able to get away with stuff. And fortunately, we don't have a lot of that. And uh, But when we've experienced it, we dealt with it. And uh, some people just aren't meant to be Carville policemen. Right. You know, you on, on that note, you were talking to uh, Noel a minute ago about your personal background. I mean, kind of the path that led you here. What should a young, if, if there's a young person out there that has aspirations of being a Collierville police officer, or for that matter, any officer, but uh, with any jurisdiction, but what, what what advice would you give them in terms of their preparation? Say, so, say a young person is in high school and they want to be a police officer, what would you tell them to, to, to prepare for things to perhaps include in their studies and things like that? I would say, um, first and foremost, control the things you can control. You know, there's going to be some things that are out of your, uh, out of your control when it comes to where you get, where you get planted. Um, I would say, first of all, make sure that you understand who you're running with, who who are you spending your time with, um, because sometimes you can get caught up in incidents that uh, lead to criminal activity just by being with someone. So I would say make sure that you understand who you're spending time with. It is so important, not just for being a police officer, but for your entire career, is that you keep your record as clean as possible. Uh, the second thing would be if that's truly the desire you have, I would encourage people um, to go out, look at the people that are in the roles that you that you aspire to be. What made them successful? What's in their background? And then begin to use that as a roadmap to guide them. Uh, I've there's I taught at a couple of universities um, in their leadership programs, and that's what I would do. I would encourage them um, that you know control the things you can. Go out there and look. Uh, but a second thing that's just just as important is your attitude. Right. I would love to have uh, happy, positive problem solvers more than I would somebody that's got, you know, 10 degrees and all the certifications has a nasty attitude because we can train you for skill. But you have a choice every day on how you're going to respond to the things in your life. You can either choose to look at it from a positive standpoint or negative. But nobody. I mean, you two run businesses. You don't want that negative um person in in there because they sometimes they can pollute others and so i would say keep a positive attitude control the things you can control you know a lot of people going into law enforcement out of high school have to wait till they're 21 so what are those things that we can be doing can i get my degree can i can i do uh internships at the police department um, but if anybody wants a guide or they want to talk um, i've done this for a lot of people they can they call get an appointment, we'll set up time, and I'll sit down and I'll just guide them through. I did this for my son, and I've done it for many others. I mean, he was doing undercover beer stings, buying beer underage, you know, things that he could separate himself. Because he said from the time he was four, he wanted to be a deputy sheriff. And I said, well, you got to do things to separate yourself. So he got his degree. He did the internships. means he he demonstrated he would work for free, and, and uh, fortunately he got an opportunity. What have you seen with the state of the the world and the union of, of the police? Has it been challenging hiring? And what are you hearing uh, as you're with the other chiefs throughout the, the nation? Well, it's definitely a challenge. Um, hiring and uh, recruiting and retention is, is, is the big things for most every department. 
uh, in the country. And it has been since I've been here uh, right now. That's that's one of the things is high on Dale's prayer list is is getting the right people. Um, and, and right now I can tell you that we're full. There's not a lot of police departments that every spot is full. And, um, you know, and that's when your people, uh, your people can be your best recruiters, right? And I think that's what's happening. And so I'm very thankful for our team that's out there every day. And hopefully um, the morale issue is huge. And if, they're, if their morale is high, uh, and we have a great community to serve, which makes it a lot easier to recruit here when you have a community that comes out and supports us the way they do. Um, I, we've probably got 10 post-certified officers right now that left other jurisdictions because it was so hostile, you know, between them and the community. And so, um, so I'm thankful for that. But right now, uh, that is definitely nationwide is an issue. Um, a lot of the things that we were seeing when I first come in, defund the police and that kind of thing, that is not happening, even in some of the, the places that it started, you know, it's kind of reversed. So that's good to see. That's helping us with recruiting, getting new people that uh, that hasn't uh, been in law enforcement before. Because there was a time where we were basically just taking people from other departments. I mean, you know, there weren't a lot of people that were willing to come in. But now getting a lot more interest, a lot more people. Yeah, it's great. You, you know, when at the back, the blue event of a few weeks ago, I was asked to say a few words and one of the, what I said that night was that um, the police department I don't know if a lot of people look at it this way but <clears throat> the police department is actually among among many many other things I think a strategic part of the local economy because as Noel was kind of alluding to a minute ago if you, you can have the greatest schools in the world. You can have the greatest parks. You can have the prettiest neighborhoods. But if people don't feel safe investing in their business and customers don't feel safe coming to shop and dine and take part in the business economy, it's not going to happen. And I've always kind of looked, ever since I've had this job with the chamber, I've kind of looked at the police department a little differently than I did as just a citizen. You know, you look, as a citizen, you look at it for your home safety, and now right. I look at it and go, you know, they're 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 a strategic part of the local economy. Well, we definitely want to be part of that, and I, I think it goes back to what's been uh, really fostered here over the years. It's not just the police; public safety is a whole community. If it's done right, it's it's the community working together, and. Um, from the town leadership here who make sure that the police department has the resources that we need. The, the Back to Blue event was just an amazing thing where you had community leaders who come to the police department and ask us to do this event. Um, you know, it wasn't our idea, and that's what's amazing. And there's so many police departments that would want that. But um, I'm thankful that you view us that way. We want to be part of the community. That's why it's so important for us to be involved in events that are not, quote, <clears throat> law enforcement related. And, uh, you know, I try to make that a priority uh, for me and the command staff to be and to be a part. We want to be known. We want people to know who to call when they need help or if there's something I need to know who to call when I need help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I call you yeah. a lot. Don't yeah. You? So, yeah. Yeah. So. So. Tell us about uh, some maybe police chiefs that you look up to and why. Uh, I really like uh, Bill Bratton. Um, you know, he was the uh, former 
um, commissioner of the NYPD. And, uh, man, when he took over, New York was in a major uh, slump. Almost it's getting back to where, like it was then. But um, through uh, data-driven policing, he he really turned that city around. And, um, you know, he was, um, he, he just, uh, you know, he was the, I mean, you pretty much, well, I don't say all departments, a lot of departments today use a ComStat model that he developed. And basically you're looking for trends and hotspots. And for us, we do data smart policing. We do a ComStat every week where our commanders are reviewing our crime data, where we're doing the same thing. We're looking at data from the sheriff's office, data from Memphis, Germantown, Okay, what what are the trends, and what can we do to prevent it from coming here? And um, and so that all started with with Bratton, and he's still today. He's been the chief at Los Angeles. He's been Boston, um, but he's still a major proponent for law enforcement. And even in the middle of all the defund, he was a strong boy. So I, I admire him. Um, there's a, another another man named Richard Myers who is indirectly related to my my wife, but he was the Colorado Springs chief. He's been Virginia, Newport News, Virginia police chief. He was the one that was brought in during the Trayvon Martin uh, situation in Florida when that when that all went bad, and he was brought in to stabilize. He's big in Kalia, which is the accrediting body, and Perf. And uh, But he's one that I sent my resume early in my career, and I really thought, man, I'm sending this guy, I'm going to knock his socks off, right? I'm all SWAT and all this special ops stuff. And uh, he sent me back and he said, Dale, you've, you're a you're a, you're a operator. You're special. You need to get some time in the mayor's office. You need to get some more administrative stuff under your belt. And I thought, man, this guy's going to send me. He's going to be recruiting me to come to work. But no, he, he kind of rained on my parade. But it, it was good advice. He laid out a plan for me and, I, you know, and, and then, just a few years after that, I got the opportunity to go work for Mayor Luttrell, and it was almost it, almost exactly what he designed. And and he was right because it gave me an opportunity to work with the county commission and part of the you know the political side of being a chief of police because he knew that's what my goal was. And that's he had started at a smaller department and worked his way up, and now he's kind of like a hired gun and comes in and fixes problems. And so those two guys probably had a, 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 the most influence from outside people that I didn't know yeah. very well. Wow. It was uh, pretty unusual. Like, I mean, to, in today's world, it's that he wrote you back. I mean, pe- people don't, I know some <laughs> people do. There are, there are, but, but I mean, across the board, people don't right back. I give my wife credit for that since he was his wife and her were like okay. second cousins <clears throat> or something. And so because there was a connection here, I'd like to think he's a problem solver and he wants to help people. And he probably is, but you're right. He had so much going uh, just from a national perspective, but he did take the time and he laid it out for me. He went through my entire resume and said, good, 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 need help here. And, and, uh, you know, so that was, uh, it, it was, a. Uh, it was kind of a cold water at the time, and uh, but over over when you sit back and look at it from his standpoint, a guy that's been there done that, he was telling me what I needed to do, and so uh, the good Lord made it an opportunity for me to get to do some of those things. I was going to say it's kind of like God was using somebody to give you some good constructive criticism and critiquing, and here you are today. Um, I was going to ask you something that I get asked all the time, and I know you'll 
know how to answer this without giving away any security secrets or anything, but I have people ask me, business folks, and especially those that are new to town and haven't lived here or, or operated a business here very long, do we have cameras throughout the town? We do. We do. We are, the uh, Carville Police Department has 22 that we are responsible, and basically what we've done is geofence the town. So if you take every entrance coming in, now they're not like the ones you see sometimes in the city of Memphis that have the blue lights on them. These are, you probably won't even notice them unless you, unless you know what you're looking for. But yes, every entrance to the town, and we're getting ready to add some more to the heart of the town. Um, and they're license plate reader cameras that give us an early warning capability and a huge investigative uh, ability on the backside when we have crime where we can track vehicles uh, through from other communities that's been involved in similar crimes, we can kind of connect the dots. And so we solve a lot of crime that way. Does that mean just in layman's terms that if, uh, if a car comes through and it has a, a license plate that's uh, been in a crime or in a warrant or whatever i don't know the terminology right but is, is mm -hmm. wanted somewhere else it alerts y'all it does is that how that works it, it, we we're we'll get stolen vehicles which most of the crime that's being committed in carville is not from carville residents um and so a lot of times people that are particularly um your more organized crime they're coming in stolen cars so that gives our team an early warning capability if they're tags are in and believe it or not they still will come out here with a stolen car tag still on the car um but wanted people sex offenders violent gang members um we have the ability to put in if a vehicle's involved in some type of crime here that we're you know if it's not a violent felony we don't uh, we don't we won't continue a pursuit uh, just because of the inherent danger in it but we can add those tags uh and so if we have a shoplifter that runs from us one night, we put that tag back in there. And if that car comes back in town, our team knows, okay, shoplifter's back in town. And so it gives us that early warning. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we've been very successful with that. And uh, if, you, if you look at our numbers and compare them to, um, you know, right now, most of it is the 21 data that's out there. Um, and, you know, we're, we're ranked very high in the state as far as safety. And that's amazing when you look at some of the challenges that uh, we face in this county. How, how long have y'all been using the camera system? About uh, about two about two and a half years. And as you said, you you can tell through data that that you can track the the improvements in certain areas of crime prevention and crime detection. Well, you about the same time as when we started using um, data smart policing, where we're you know, where we're having weekly meetings and, and we're tracking, uh, you know, basically evaluating our tactics. Um, and uh, we've changed some of our leadership. So I don't know that we could attribute all of it to the LPR cameras, but they're definitely one tool that we've used. It, it's been tremendous for us. And uh, I mean, and then on the back end, if we, um, you know, uh, an example, in 20, the summer of, or spring of 21, we had 27 cars broken into in one night in Halley Plantation. Um, we were able to go back. They, those people were caught in Hernando, Mississippi. And because of the LPRs, we were able to show it was the same cars that was in there. And then we found 
our stolen property. So we were able to clear them in a matter of days where in the past we wouldn't have had that technology because not only did Carville have, we have the 22 plus there's 18 neighborhood associations that have them that given us access to them. So it's, it's, um, and then the ones we're getting ready to add is going to put us close to 50 cameras in Carville, but so did all the other jurisdictions, Germantown, Memphis, Shelby County, um, South Haven, Olive Branch, and we share all that information. So as soon as, you know, their car burglars are ours and vice versa. So. And tell us about Alert Carville and, you know, should citizens sign up? And well, A lot of people think that we're going to put information out on Alert Carville when we have, uh, you know, if we have a big incident and they see a lot of police activity. Um, but that's really, um, it's good. And what we, what that's good for is, you know, really bad weather. Uh, you know, it's good for if we were to have uh, gas leaks or we did have a police situation that was going to be long term. And so if people come in and sign up and they can link off our website mm-hmm. and uh, they can go in and sign up for that. And uh, that that's just one more communication tool we have. And we use social media as well. So um, but it's it's definitely uh, a backup. You know, it's one thing that I learned in the emergency management days is that, you know, we have to be resilient. We have to have backup systems so that if one fails, we're ready to go on something else. And so that's, that's a good, that's, that's definitely a good system. Yeah. Can you t- talk to us for a moment about, um, you know, earlier I was <clears throat> talking about the police department being a part of what I call the <clears throat> strategic element of the local economy. Right. Also, though, you you have throughout this entire time we've been on this podcast, you've talked so much about the culture of the police department, the positive building, a positive culture. So every time, you know, I've always also thought about the police department as a as an image, a PR image thing for the town in the same way in that. Every time you all make a traffic stop, whether it's for speeding or a taillight out or maybe something more serious like the, the, the camera thing that you were talking about a minute ago, that's an opportunity right there. I mean, I know it's a crime detection opportunity for you, but it's also an opportunity to build a relationship possibly with someone in town or someone sure. passing through. Is that, is that how you look at it? I do. And, and so usually the ones we, we try to strike a balance there. Um, the cop in me, every time we have a guy that makes a car stop and he seizes a firearm or some drugs, we want to, you know, the cop in you wants to go, yeah, all right, good job. Put that out. Um, but you also don't want to, it, it can also have the, the impact of, of creating unreasonable fear. And uh, so what we try to do is make sure if it's impacting the public safety at that moment where you're seeing large numbers, like we had a shoplifting that ended up, this is one of the, this is where I dropped the ball. Okay. This was one that we didn't put out that should have been put out. Uh, we had a shoplifting occur at uh, Home Depot. Our officers were on them pretty quick. We have some undercovers that are working in different places. Make a long story short, the car had car trouble and died on Poplar. Well, our guy caught one, was fighting him in the street. Um, the passenger bails out, runs into a neighborhood. A surveyor was in the neighborhood that he ran into, had a, a drone, his own drone that he was using for work, and he put him up, and he had video of the guy hiding in a backyard. Well, 
We got him in custody. Well, the people in the neighborhood posted the video, uh, shared it. Don't come to Carville if you're a carjacker. Well, people thought there was a carjacking that had occurred, and we caught a carjacker. Well, we didn't put anything out at that moment, and so it was kind of left out there for people to wonder. And so, you know, um, I don't get it right every time, but we do try to use our social media to reduce fear and to let. And and then also those are the the moments like. Um, we had where the guy went in and he basically, um, he shoplifted from Cheers, I think it was, and it was a long, he was a car pursuit, then a foot pursuit that went from Frank Road all the way to Wolf River through the golf course. That one we put out, we had a, you know, we caught him, had his picture, and man, everybody loved us. And so it went right to what you were saying is, and it, and it, I think it also gives the community some pride to know if you come to Carville, there's a really good chance you're going to get arrested yeah. if you cut up. And so, uh, so we try to balance that. I don't want to overdo it, um, but we don't. You know, if somebody questions, we're going to be transparent. I want people to know that, you know, we're an open book for people to come and see what we have going. The uh, one one we we're about time to wrap up, mm-hmm. but. Um, I, I've lived here a long time, and I, I worked for the town just like you do in a different capacity though, but I worked for the town for a long time and have seen evolutions of the police department. And one that I, that, that, I mean, there are quite a number I'm sure that you could talk about that some of us don't even know about or observe, but one that's very visible that I've seen in the last year is the motorcycle. A guy's going, driving around. Can you, on our, in our last closing minutes, tell us a little bit about, I mean, that's a very, very visible thing that that we all notice and they're rock stars i mean people love the motorcycles um that was when when i came in the door i mentioned earlier talking and interviewing the officers and one of the consistent themes across those interviews was a lack of opportunity for professional development and so i came from a, a, a department that had a motorcycle unit um, but I was trying, I can't, we can't promote everybody, but we were looking for ways, one, that we could increase those professional development opportunities, two, that we could increase our image within the law enforcement community, and uh, and three, that we would develop, you know, some, that there would be some organizational pride from, from everybody doesn't want to ride a motorcycle, but everybody's glad we have motor officers because they like to talk about them. And uh, really proud of those guys. But the motor unit was one that we started. We started a um, unmanned aerial system unit, which is drones. And so it was that that unit. We uh, we increased the numbers of our SWAT team so that we were actually had the numbers to prepare. But all of those things give officers an opportunity to do things outside of the patrol car and to know that I'm making in their mind making a bigger difference. But the motorcycles have been. Those guys, I, I mentioned this when I spoke at the chamber last time. I, you know, I've written a lot of tickets in 35 years. Never have I had anybody ask to take my photo when I got done <laughs> issuing it. And the, both of those guys have had that happen to them. And so um, we actually just sent Shepard Taylor to um, Daytona. He is now a motorcycle instructor. So that gives us a little bit more capacity. And the plan is is to increase. The board approved uh, for us to have uh, – four motorcycles for regular officers and two for reserve officers. And so, um, so we're working to get there. Um, but man, kids love them. Parents love them. They, we work them in school zones and in traffic and, and 
the idea behind it was not just to uh, give the opportunity, but also from a from a tactical or strategic plan. How can we use them to make it safer? So we've been focusing them on our high crash locations in Carville, and we used 2019, the pre-COVID data, to compare to, and um, the tactics that we've used with them has dropped. We projected 10% with four officers. Two has dropped at 16%. So that's a win. That's 16% uh, that, that didn't get involved in a car crash, didn't get hurt. And so thankful for them. It's incredible. Well, thank you, Chief, so much for just you both personally, professionally, for, for our town on behalf of the Carville Chamber, of all the citizens. A simple thank you would never do it justice. So yeah. just thank yeah. you from all of our hearts for, for keeping us safe, for your leadership, your character, and just who you are. It, it means more than you know. Well, yeah. you're, you're kind, you. and it's my honor. I promise this is a, a dream come true for me. I love the town, and, uh, you know, I still think the, the, the brightest days are ahead of us, and so um, keep loving the police. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to Corporate Cornucopia. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, My Town Roofing. Replacing your roof shouldn't be a hassle. It should be a smooth process done in a timely manner and, most importantly, at a reasonable price. My Town Roofers has thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out at MyTownRoofing.com. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, head on over to www.collierbillchamber.com to access our notes, join the conversation, or leave a good review.